0: In 2 Samuel chapter 3 this morning, uh, we have David going through many different things in his life, and he's now king over Judah, and being king brought on a whole new set of temptations. So we we have David living out, being king in Judah and um, Israel will come into the camp also today. In chapter two of Second Samuel, it starts off and there's war games between the troops of Ishabeth, it's Bosheth, I guess, and he's the king of the northern kingdom. And there's the men of David there at Judah and Abner, the general uh, of Ish-bosheth and, and Joab, they meet at a pool, a little oasis perhaps, and they want to have a little war game. And 12 warriors from each uh Group come forward and they manage to kill each other. Twelve on twelve, 24 dead. But after this war game, a great battle breaks out between David's troops and the troops of Ishbosheth. And Abner, the general of the northern kingdom, and his troops, they're being routed, they're being beaten soundly. And Abner, he, he sees how the battle is going and he runs, and he takes to flight. And uh, hell Joab's brother takes off after him. And it says he was as fleet as a gazelle. Means he was quick, I guess. And Abner sees him follow him. Abner's a he's a soldier's soldier. And he warns him, turn aside, quit following me. But Azahel won't listen, and Abner ends up killing Azahel with the butt end of his spear, not to point it in the other end, and he jabs that through him. And this is late in the day, and Joab finally calls off the pursuit of Abner. And that day, a great victory is won by David's troops over Abner and Ishbosheth. But then we have a war that comes about, and for several years they will war against one another. But in this process, Ishbosheth and Abner, they're growing weaker and weaker. Their power is diminishing. But David and his troops, they're growing stronger and stronger. And this becomes more and more obvious to Abner, who has aligned himself with Ishbosheth, who happens to be his cousin. And he realizes, I have made a gigantic political mistake. He is the general of Ishbosheth's army that is growing weaker and weaker, and he can't help but notice it. So let's read. Second uh, Samuel 3, 1 through 5. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His first son was Amnon uh, by Anahinom, the Jezreelites. His second, Chiliab by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Maacah and the daughter of uh, Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of uh, Haggith. The fifth, uh, Shepatiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Aetherim, by David's wife, Eglog, These were born to David in Hebron. There are some names for you. But in verses 2 through 5 there, David is... Once again, becoming a man of the flesh. He's on a sinful path. David only has three wives. And he takes the daughter of a Canaanite king, and they have a son. Number four. David uh, uh, has a son. Absalom. Absalom that will bring him great distress and heartache uh, when he becomes a man. And David continues to take wives, having sons. And David is now up to six wives, and they're all having sons. David, in this taking of wives, is becoming willfully disobedient, to God's word, and that's always a dangerous place to be. For in Deuteronomy, Moses' Pentateuch, Deuteronomy 17, it tells Israel's future kings, do not add horses, do not add wives, and don't add much gold, and David is doing all three. And so will his son Solomon. Solomon will do the same as his father David. David, he has this propensity to sin. David is known to lie when it benefits him. David is tempted by women, he also has an ego. That requires him to make sinful decisions through pride. And we can read of David and we can think or even say to ourselves, I'm glad I'm not as sinful as David was. That's a bad comparison. Don't measure yourself by David's sins, rather, measure yourself by David's virtues. It's very easy for us, when confronted with sin that is in our life, to find a person who is more sinful than we are. But rather, we should look at David's godly traits. David, he's a giant killer. When all of Israel, even his brothers, in great fear of Goliath, David says, I'll kill that uncircumcised Philistine. David is also a worshiper. He writes many psalms. David was a man given to prayer on a regular basis. David had a tremendous compassion for the Lord. But where did David get this compassion? Where did he get this character that... uh, Manifested virtue. Well, it grew and developed as David was tending his father's sheep out in the wilderness. You get a chance to be alone. Spread out your thoughts. Consider what you're doing. David learned how God was his protector from Saul. When when running from Saul, he even found himself in the same cave as Saul a couple times and he was spared by God's goodness to him. David learned to exercise faith. He learned to expect God to protect him. He learned to trust God in all his circumstances. David was also a man who had an intimate prayer life. David had deep fellowship with his God. And when David was in fellowship with God, and obedience was premier in his life, that was when he was great. So if you want to compare yourself to David, compare yourself when David was great in the eyes of the Lord. Many of you perhaps heard of Mike McIntosh, pastor at San Diego. I guess his son now pastors his church. But anyway, I heard Mike say something that was just, to me, very revealing of Mike. And I heard Mike say, I would do anything God asks of me as long as I know it's God. That's a big statement. Mike, even to this day, has adventurous faith for the things of the Lord. And God uses Mike many times when there's tragedy in different places of the world. But as we journey through this life growing and maturing in Christ, we will also experience opportunities to exercise faith. God wants us to exercise faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And He will give us opportunities to exercise faith, to be an example of His provision for us. And when our Lord meets The needs in our lives, and he does, and he's faithful. We're to be thankful, and we're to share the goodness of God with those around us. I love to hear good testimonies. When I was a young lad growing up in church, they would have testimony meetings every Sunday night. And us young kids would say, it's who can top who and bragging about God. (laughs) The first guy didn't have a chance. But anyway, when God meets a need in our life, we are to share that. It's God's goodness to us. But let's look back at Abner. He's Saul's general, Ishbosheth's general. And so let's read verses 6 through 12. Now it was so while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah the daughter of Aiah, or however you say it. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, "Why have you gone into my father's concubine?" Then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, "Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah?" Today I show loyally to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David, and you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman. May God do so to Abner and more also, if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him. To transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel, over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Israel Sheth is in fear of Abner. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to David, saying, Who is in the land? saying also, Make also a covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. Abner's saying, I can deliver the northern kingdom over to you, David. But Abner has come to realize he has backed the wrong person in this split there in the nation of Israel. He has backed Isbosheth, Saul's son. But Abner, he's ambitious. He has went into one of Saul's concubines, and that is an open act of rebellion by Abner against Ishbosheth, and then Abner, he acts righteous when he's confronted about it, and he's shown infidelity, and uh, Ishbosheth has called him on this. And he says, uh, am I a dog's head? And some we lose something in that translation. <laughs> I, I'm not sure quite what all that means. But Abs- Abner was absolutely in the wrong. It was an act of rebellion, an act of adultery, and he acts self-righteous about what he has done. But Abner, he's looking for a reason to switch sides. And he sees that David is growing stronger, and he said, I made a mistake. And so he doesn't care what Ishbosheth thinks of him. He's going to switch over to David. And he says, Why do you question me? Abner threatens to deliver Israel, the northern kingdom, over to David, and Ishbosheth becomes afraid of what he will do. And it was no empty threat. Abner now seeks to align himself with David, asking David, "Hey, let's make a covenant. Make a covenant with me, David, and I will give you the northern kingdom as part of that covenant." In 2 Samuel 3:13 through 21, we'll read that, and David said, "Good. David's glad of this. I will make a covenant with you, but one thing, I require of you." You shall not see my face unless you bring me Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, "Give me my wife, Michal, whom I betrothed to my, whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistine." And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Patil, the son of La- Laish. Then her husband went along. ...with her to Barucham, weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, Go, return. And he returned. Now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In times past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David I will save my people from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of all their enemies." And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king. Then they made make a covenant with you that you may reign over all that is in your heart's desire. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. David is more than pleased at the turn of events there. He's more than happy to make a covenant with Abner who was Saul's general. But David has a stipulation. McCall or Michal, however you say it, Saul's daughter, David's former wife, had been taken from him when Saul turned against David. Now David wants Michal back, primarily to satisfy his ego. David really needs that seventh wife. She is simply a trophy for him a show and tell and David is willing to break up a marriage to satisfy his ego Michal leaves but her husband follows her weeping and Abner steps in and tells this jilted husband hey you better go back home (laughs) more or less while you can and he returns home Then Abner, he tells the elders of Israel, You wanted David as king? Then make David your king. So the northern kingdom now embraces David as their king. David celebrates this with a feast with Abner and the elders of Israel. Abner departs in peace, but Joab, David's general, now seeks Abner's life. For Abner killed Azahel, Joab's brother. And this peace between David and Abner, it doesn't extend down to Joab and Abner. Joab wants revenge. So let's read 22 through 30. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoils with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the troops who were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look. Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away and he is already gone? Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you were doing. And when Joab had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner who brought him back from the well of Sirah, but David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately, and there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Azahel, his brother. Afterwards, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner." Let it rest on the head of Joab and all his father's house and let there never fail to be the house, in the house of Joab one who has a just discharge or as a leper who leans on the staff or falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai his brother killed Abner because he killed their brother Azahel in Gibeon in the battle. So it's It's civil war within the ranks there. David mourns for Abner. And he mourns for Abner. And he makes mention that Abner is a righteous man. But he curses his own general, Joab. Now all the people of Israel and Judah have noticed the behavior of David. Because whatever the king did, it pleased All the people. David has become a popular king. And I think this was David's intent. He wanted to solidify his kingdom. He wanted to be well-liked. And he's doing things to be well-liked. David has learned to be a man-pleaser. He's learned to be a politician. Now David is consolidating his power. He's a man of bloodshed himself. Now he condemns Joab, his own general, for bloodshed. Even pronouncing a curse upon Joab. And David is seen, he's looked upon as a king, a compassionate king not wanting Abner, his former enemy, dead. But David had his own encounters with Abner. Remember when Abishai and David crept into the camp of Saul, and they stole Saul's spear, and they stole his water jug. And then they sneak out of camp, And David calls to Abner from a safe distance. And let me read you two verses in 1 Samuel 26, just two verses. So David said to Abner, this is when he's crying out to him, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded the Lord your king? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord the king. This thing you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed, and now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head, and David has them. David openly declares to Abner, you are worthy of death. You deserve deserve to die, Abner. But now things have changed. David is now king. As a parent, as a leader in any capacity, to rule in such a way as to please those that you are ruling over is not leading, it is following. Let me get political here for a moment. President Obama was very guilty of taking popularity polls on many of the decisions that he would then make based upon the popularity of that poll. Obama followed public opinion. Followed, not leading. David has become a politician. His main goal is to be popular. He wants to please the people. If you fall into that trap of being a people pleaser, you can... Understand one thing, you will not please God. Because God's ways, God's precepts are not popular with the world. Let me touch on something that's kind of special to me, not in a good way. We live in a world where sex, gender is a decision you make for yourself, not how you were born. I can decide if I want to be male or female. Consider that. I no longer shop at Target. And you can add Walgreen to that list now because they have unisex bathrooms. As a grandfather, I have a granddaughter. I don't want to have to take my granddaughter into a bathroom to make sure there's no men in there. Sorry. I want to protect her. I want to watch over her when she's with me. And recently we see that Walgreen has decided that they're going to have unisex bathrooms too. In our society today, if two people of the same sex love each other, what's wrong with them getting married? That is the popular opinion out there. It's voted in in many countries around the world. To take a stand for biblical principles and righteousness can be very unpopular, or have you noticed? We're considered archaic and biased. Today, there are Christian denominations that ordain gay pastors. That is wrong as wrong can be, sorry. It's just wrong. Being a liberal and accepting sinful behavior can put you in a camp that opposes God. But man doesn't consider how God looks upon a situation. David is capturing the hearts of the people. The hearts of Israel. He has become a good political king. And he's pleasing the people with no consideration of how God looks upon his behavior. One of my prayers is Lord, let me declare your word in a way that is honest. And pleasing to you. And I want to live my life that way. The opinions of men, the popularity among men is extremely fickle. Please God with your life. Doesn't mean you're going to be accepted. It doesn't even mean you're going to be liked. And here we are living in the Bible Belt. And if we experience that here, think of the liberal bastions out there where they look upon homosexuality, same-sex gender, and all this kind of thing as just a modern way to do things. Stand firm for your Lord. Stand firm for his ways and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand We'll close closing prayer. Father, we would pray that by your spirit, you would cause us to be firm in our convictions. Be firm in what you have told us is sin, and let us stand against it, Lord. We don't want to be considered wacko or anything else, Lord, but we don't want to embrace the world's sin and call it right or call it good or call it love. We want to stand firm for you, Lord. You've spelled out in your word what you expect of man. And let us, your children, your people, your saints, be firm in what is right. Lord, we know enough to take a stand for righteousness, so help us to do that. Lead and guide us into truth in all things, Lord. And may we never fall into that trap of being a people pleaser. And we pray that you would just keep us strong and firm in you, Lord. Watch over us. Give us courage where we need courage. Give us strength where we need strength. Lead and guide us by your spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.